Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Cons and cons. What are you most confident in? What are you most concerned about? But when we do it about the Carolina Hurricanes, it takes on a new name. It's not just cons and cons, it's hurricanes and cons. What are you most confident about? What are you most concerned about when it comes to the Carolina Hurricanes? As always, when someone says I have good news and bad news, which do you want first? You go bad news first. Graham, what are you most concerned about with the Canes? My concern with the Hurricanes, they don't finish what they start sometimes this season. Or they play with their food a little too much. Sunday's 5-2 loss to the L.A. Canes was a prime example of this when the Canes came out and outscored the Canes 4-1 in the third period. Saturday's 3-2 win against the Penguins in overtime. It's a little more tricky to analyze just because the Hurricanes didn't score a goal in the third period and allowed the Penguins to tie it up. But they still generated chances in the third period. They just they just didn't score. It seems like the last time they came out red hot in the final period was in the 6-2 win at Washington where they tallied five goals in the third period. They have enough talent to have performances such as what we saw in that Capitals win earlier this month. I think this is interesting. I'm, I'm going to let everybody behind the curtain a bit here. Uh, Graham and I sit near each other in, in the office when we're, we're preparing before we come to the studio. And when I said, like, hey, you, you know, He's filling in for Dennis. I was like, hey, we're doing hurricanes and cons today. You need a confidence and a concern for the Canes. His response was, I got two already. Like, there was there was no thinking, right? It was, it was so you've been thinking about this watching the Canes where you're going, they play with their food, essentially. You think, um, I'm trying to think of the way to put it. It's not quite playing down to the level of your competition, but it, is, it a, is it a killer instinct? Is it a step on the throat? Like, how, how do they fix it? It kind of just reminds me in football when you establish a good – two touchdown lead going into the half and then you just go conservative in the second half I, I just feel like at times they just kind of relied too much on you know the dump and chase you know playing their style of hockey that works so well for them to start games but you know there's not a lot of setting up we, I, like I said we saw that a little bit in the in the game against the Penguins in the third period they just couldn't convert on chances and Rod Brennamore was even asked about this following the loss on Sunday and he kind of said, I, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. We, we've come out good in periods. We just we just haven't capitalized. I feel like it was a fair question to ask mm-hmm. by the reporter. It just, to me, not just this year, but it tends sometimes to be a trend deep into the season. They just don't really put the their, their foot on the neck of their opponents when they establish a, a two-goal lead. All right. Uh, my concern's a bit different, uh, but it's something I've been talking about for a long time. Uh, goalie. It's It's – Watching the Canes play with the way their goalie is is situated right now is very, very, like, anxiety-inducing. And what I mean by it's – I'm trying to – like, next year, the first six weeks for a Jets fan watching Aaron Rodgers, every time he, like, takes four steps out of the pocket, you're going to be going – every time he gets hit, you're going to go, ah, right? And then until he stands up and starts walking, he's going to have to give, like – if I were uh, Robert Sala, the head coach of the Jets, I would tell Aaron Rodgers, every time you get hit, give me a thumbs up. 
right? As soon as you know you're not hurt, give me a thumbs up. On the ground, like yeah, smiling, thumbs up. Guys on top of you, right? The, the defensive linemen still hit just thumbs up. Let me know we're good to go because everyone's going to be terrified. I feel similarly right now, especially with Coach Chekhov still out with the concussion protocol until he comes back, very similarly watching the, the Canes goalie situation. If there's ever, you know, uh, any kind of collision near the net, if there's ever, uh, you know, a, a, a shot up near the, the face mask, I'm going like, because you're one play away from Peretz, an undrafted rookie being in there and depended upon. And even as it is, it's Ronta who hasn't exactly been the most dependable guy this year. So so my concern is like the feeling I get <laughs> watching the Canes. And and it's probably a good good uh like uh, like barometer. It's probably a good good gauge of how concerned you are by like what does your heart rate do when that particular part of the team is dependent on, right? When um I don't know when, when like Ajo's controlling things from the perimeter and cycling through. I mean, my heart rate goes to like negative, right? Like, I guess that would be dead. That's not the right way to put it. But it, it slows down, so like I'm I'm calm. It's like I'm on a, a hammock near a beach somewhere. I'm just trusting of everything that's going on. When um, this year, like if if Chatfield and Orlov are, are playing off each other well and 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 they're back and in good position, I'm like cool. We're gonna be fine. Obviously, you know, Slavin and, and Pesci and some of these other guys have earned the same feeling. But whenever the goalie gets involved, I'm, uh, it's like beep, 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 yeah. beep, beep. It just starts spiking, and I don't like that, and it's very concerning. And it's why earlier today I said they should trade for Marc-Andre Fleury because he's been doing it for a billion years, and he would probably get my, my heart rate back down when, when the goalie is depended upon. That conversation up on YouTube now. Check it out. Why should they trade for Marc-Andre Fleury? 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. That conversation already up there. Uh, as always, when there's a concern, there's a confidence, right? This is cons and cons, hurricanes and cons. Uh, what are you most hurricanfident about for the, the Carolina Hurricanes? My confidence, and I'm going to knock on wood before I say this. There you go, it's documented. Did you just, actually knock on wood? Yeah, yeah just because I don't want it to crumble tomorrow night against the Red Wings. The Kings penalty kill has been elite in these last couple of games. Pelican Kings 0-4 on the man advantage on Sunday. Penguins were 0-4 on the man advantage on Saturday. Ducks 1-5. On the man advantage last Thursday, Blues 0-1. If my math is correct, the Hurricanes have held their previous three opponents to a combined total of 1-10 on the man advantage. The special or four opponents. I knew I was going to mess that up. Special teams have been, if you, like, it's all about how you choose your your uh, sample size, right? On the year, solid. If you go like six weeks back, they're unbelievable. If you go Five games back, as you mentioned, penalty kill really good. Power play not as good. Um, so it's it's really like here's here's a, a fun fact, right? And and we're seeing this uh, more and more in sports media. If you ever see somebody, and I will admit when we do this, occasionally it's just it's too tempting. If you ever see somebody in sports media, television show, radio show, podcast, whatever, internet website, say like over the last sixteen games, so and so has averaged. Uh, you know, 95 yards rushing per game. And they're trying to prove that that player is good. Over the last uh, seven games, so-and-so has averaged 105 rushing yards per game. I guarantee you, seven games ago, he had like zero rushing yards, right? <laughs> you can strategically pick your sample size to prove whatever point you want. Um, that's kind of how I feel about the penalty kill and the power play for the Canes. If you're talking full season, 
you're you're trying to say like they're they're good. If you pick the last five weeks, and I don't know exactly what it is, the last twenty-two games, you're trying to say like they've been otherworldly. If you choose the last five, you're trying to highlight the PK. Um, not to say that any of that is untrue, right? Stats, you know, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. The stats are are what the stats are. Um, but on the season, penalty kills pretty solid. Uh, over the last five games, very good, which is why you're confident in them. So it's uh, you know, the 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 special teams to me are an interesting deal with the the Canes, uh, and credit to Rod for you know finagling it when it needs to and, and not letting it simmer. And and I think overall in the season they've been good. But again, knock on wood. All right, they they do play the Red Wings on Friday. Yeah, there we go. Throw some if if you're at a restaurant right now, uh, listening in your headphones. Throw some salt over your right shoulder. I forget which one it is. Uh, my hurt, left shoulder, right. Do both. Just one handful over each. Um, what are they doing in Dumb and Dumber? That's the one I always think of. Where you just throw some salt over your shoulder, and he throws the whole salt yeah. shaker. Um, uh, my confidence is Jack Drury. He's he's playing really well. He's impressing me. I, I just think there's so many other guys that suck up oxygen when you're talking about the Canes that he's kind of under the radar playing really, really well. And um, I like guys that are playing under the radar really, really well. They they can can usually sustain it a bit more. They don't have to deal with the outside pressure as much. I'll use this for an example. Jarvis is also playing really, really well. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Seth Jarvis was on Kane's Corner last night, lived up to all expectations. He's a wildly entertaining guy. Um, but he's playing really, really well. And what came with that? Right, a push to make the All Star game, uh, more media appearances. Everybody wants to talk to him. Everybody wants a piece of him. He's becoming a star. Jack Jury's playing really, really well, and it's just kind of like we're just gonna let him play really, really well. And and I'm, I like that. Now I do think Jarvis's personality is more conducive towards the attention. Kind of likes it. Kind of brings it on. And maybe Jury's a bit more of a, a quiet guy. But um, but I'm 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 getting to the point where my heart rate lowers when he's got the puck. Right, and and. Maybe he needs to get some reps up there with the the second line at center because I think he's playing really, really well, and he can raise the play of those around him. I guess a confidence for mine, a guy that Jarvis has been paired up with recently, Jordan Martinuk. Hmm. Five goals in the season. He's scored three of those five in the last three games. I mean, Jordan Martinuk is playing his best hockey of the year right now, and I know that's easy to say because the year just started. No, but we're, we're just about halfway. We're, I mean, it, it, it's it, – oh, you mean of the 2024? Yeah. I see what you're doing. I thought you meant of the season. But, yeah, also the season two. Yeah, I mean, and you know, Martinuk, he's one of those uh, – he's, he's you just know what you're going to get out of Martinuk. I, I I really like him as a player, which is maybe why I went with Jury because it's like, ooh, this is new and fresh. Like, Martinuk, we, we've seen before. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete of Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, is it still true that a million is enough to retire on? Tim, maybe and maybe not. The most important thing is to get a real plan that gives you income you never outlive. We'll give that away to the next 10 people. Call right now. The number to call, 800-691-3215. Text TIM to 600-700 if you're interested in texting. Once again, that phone number is 800-691-3215 or text TIM to 600-700 for that deal. This next conversation is one I, I, I'm still baffled by. There's something about Bill Belichick not wearing a patriots cutoff hoodie that is going to be strange and and it looks like we may have to see that twice a year 
for the foreseeable future as we cover the Panthers. The NFC South, the way I'm putting it, maybe getting more curmudgeony, maybe getting more grumbly, maybe getting more ornery. Bill Belichick is scheduled to have his second interview with the Atlanta Falcons this weekend. And this is, you know, I actually, I really like the joke made by Victoria who produces the Adam gold show during an all staff meeting earlier today, which was like, Oh geez, he's going to be meeting the parents soon. Like this is getting serious between Belichick and, and the Falcons. Josina Anderson, NFL insider, said she expects him to become the next coach, barring something unforeseen happening in, in their negotiations. This is getting serious between Bill Belichick and the Atlanta Falcons, which, I mean, Bill Belichick wearing a, a cutoff hoodie from the, the Falcons in their indoor stadium <laughs> is going to be up there with, like, Joe Montana in a Chiefs jersey, uh, Patrick Ewing in a Raptors jersey or, or, or a Magic jersey. Um, it's going to be up there with – Aaron Rodgers in a Jets jersey. Aaron Rodgers in a – we only saw it for four plays, but we saw it. Um it's going to be up there with the weirdest things we've we've seen as far as guys looking out of place. It's just going to be strange. Uh, Donovan McNabb in a Redskins jersey was that way for me. It's like that. That's just mm, doesn't feel right. He already met with Arthur Blank, the owner, one on one this past week. So this second interview that's going to take place this this upcoming weekend is both sides deciding they approve of what they heard. This is not like when when uh, um, the the Panthers interviewed Brian Callahan today, the offensive coordinator for the the uh, Bengals. That is very much Brian Can- Brian Callahan selling himself to the Panthers, right? Callahan is not a guaranteed coach. He doesn't have a legacy secured. He doesn't have a guaranteed head coaching offer. He's there saying, you know, here's what I have to offer, and and, and the questions are very much, why should we hire you? That's how most job interviews take place except for when you might be the greatest coach of all time in the NFL. In that case, you're bringing your interview questions also, right? The Falcons are saying, here's why you should pick us. As much as Bill Belichick is saying, here's why you should pick me. So I guarantee you there were demands in both ways, right? Bill Belichick wants things handled a certain way. He wants certain power. He wants certain control. He wants a certain hierarchy. If I am reporting to a GM, I want it to be that guy. I don't want to hear from that guy ever. I don't want the owner doing this. I want full control of practice. I want full control of the game day roster. Whatever his demands are, I guarantee you he laid them out in that one-on-one meeting with the owner. And Arthur Blank probably had some things going back the other way, right? Hey, you know, you you haven't won us six Super Bowls. So you're not going to have the same cachet that you had in New England. Here's the things that here's the way we do it. Here's the people I want to you to listen to. And the fact that they're then getting together again and bringing in GMs and CEOs and all these other people into the mix tells me that the demands were made and there's no deal breakers, right? This is this is these two guys are way or these two team and coach are way more like dating in their mid-30s than they are dating in their early 20s, right? Early 20s, it's like, yeah, let's see how it goes, right? Let's have some fun. Let's have some laughs. We need plus ones to some weddings coming up soon. Dating in your mid-30s is like, I want kids. Do you want kids? I want to get married within 18 months. Are you cool with that? I have a house. I'm paying a mortgage. What are you bringing to the table? Like, it's, it's much more like, I know what I want. I've lived some life. I see what I have going on, 
and and are you in or out? Because if you're out, that's cool. No hard foul, right? Uh, like n- n- no no hard feelings. But I got to go find somebody else, right? Like it's it's. I've got I'm you know I wouldn't say mid thirties. Just turned thirty three. I'm I'm still clinging to to early thirties. But I've got friends that are in that way, right? Which was very different than when we were all hanging out post college. That's the 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 Bill Belichick and the Falcons are much more in their mid thirties, right? You have the first meeting. He's like. I want to call the defense. I want this guy to be my offensive coordinator. I want this guy on staff. I want this guy in the scouting department. Any of those deal breakers? They're like, no. Uh, you're you're going to have this guy be your GM. You're going to have uh, you know, this say. You're going to be required to do this. Any deal breakers? No. All right, cool. Let's, let's go on a second date on Saturday. All right, I want you to meet my family, right? Okay, you got to meet my best friend. She's a lot to handle, but, but when you get me, you get both of us, right? I need you to meet my dog. Are you a cat person? You get into real serious, more more deal breakery stuff. This affects the Panthers, by the way. One of the biggest reasons for optimism for the Panthers is that their division has not been scary to anyone. Coming into this year, it was like, geez, they're all terrible. Right? You looked at the 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 Bucks, especially before we knew we were getting the Baker Renaissance. It was like that, can, that team could be pretty bad. You look at the Saints; they're in salary cap jail. They have to to play Derek Carr again, and it wasn't particularly great this year. And they just fired their offensive coordinator. Then there's the Falcons and the Panthers, so they weren't exactly scaring anyone this year either. Well, guess what? Atlanta has talent. Dijon Robinson. Bijan Rod, they I mean Red Zone Ritter. <laughs> I actually think Ritter is the second question. They have they have Bijan Robinson, they have Drake London, they have Kyle Pitts, they have some talent on the the the, de- the defense. If they add Bill Belichick and a quarterback, and by the way, they have the eighth overall pick. If they add Bill Belichick and a quarterback, I would expect them to get much better. Suddenly I think the gap between them and the Panthers is even bigger. And there already was a gap there. Then you throw in Tampa Bay in the playoffs, gathering experience and confidence. They won a playoff game, beat the Eagles. Baker playing his best football of his career. The division might not be as bad as its reputation would indicate next year. And that's not good news for the Panthers. Panthers won two games in a bad division this year. What if everyone in that division improves and they don't have a first-round pick to, to get better with? That's that's a whole other conversation that leads you down a very dark place. We're, we're on to Carolina next week. He might he it might be like we play Carolina next week. We're already on to the Saints the week uh, after. We're, we're overlooking Carolina. Like on the week. Monday of Panthers week, he's going. Who do we have next? Let's get on to them. We'll deal we'll deal with the Panthers uh, while we're focusing on the whoever we're playing the week after that. How funny would that be? Right, his entire career with the Patriots. If they're playing the the Bengals the next week, we're on to Cincinnati. As soon as he plays the Panthers, it's like. We're, we're kind of already past the Panthers. We play them on Sunday, but we're gonna we're already on to the Saints prepping. We're already watching tape on the Saints. Uh, we, <laughs> like when when Alabama plays, um, you know, uh, Central Michigan the week before Auburn, and you just know that they're they're focusing on the Iron Bowl. They're gonna start doing that to the Panthers. Um, here's the other interesting aspect of the Belichick to the 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 Falcons deal. Did Tepper even consider him? Good question. Harbaugh, did Tepper even consider him? And why wouldn't he? Now, here, there, there are options here, right? You can ask for an interview, and they can say no, 
right? So he may have requested an interview with Belichick, and Belichick may have said, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I saw your team this past year, and I have no interest in coaching them. They not even heard a response. Yeah, <laughs> I think now. No, actually, one of the cool things with Belichick, this is a side note, but one of the cool things with Belichick leaving New England is there are a lot of people coming out of the woodwork saying, like, oh, I, I wrote a, a letter to Belichick in 2007 about how to break into the business of coaching, and he actually wrote me a letter back. Or um, uh, uh, DeMatha High School, I saw, which is a high school in, in Maryland, a big private school, had a legendary coach by Morgan Wooten, uh, and they posted a, a letter typed up and signed by Bill Belichick saying that, you know, they were raising money for the Morgan Wooten charity. It may have been when when Wooten passed away. I'm not sure. And um, it was written by Belichick saying, like, being from Annapolis, I always respected Coach Wooten here, you know, the enclosed donation. It does seem like he's a correspondence guy, right? If if you, like, ask for an autograph for a kid, maybe he's more likely to send it. So maybe they did hear back. But that would be interesting in and of itself. If Tepper requested Belichick and he didn't didn't respond, but he is responding to the Falcons, that's a little less good. Harbaugh, right, interviewing with uh, what was it, the the Chargers, amongst others. If he's turning down the Panthers, that would not be good. And on the flip side, if Tepper isn't calling those guys, I think that's even more of an indictment. Because what do we know about Harbaugh? What do we know about Belichick? Fiery guys, right? They don't back down in many situations, right? They're gonna they're gonna win the staring contest, if you will, or the blank measuring contest, if you will. And if Tepper isn't even entertaining those guys, and he's just eliminating everybody that's gonna stand their ground against him, and not even requesting those interviews, I'm concerned. Especially if then one of them goes and has success elsewhere in the division, because that's you know the the Falcons may be getting addition by subtraction, right? Not only would they be getting Bill Belichick, who's arguably the greatest football coach of all time, at least in the NFL, um, but they'd also be keeping that guy away from a division rival, which is is both addition and addition by subtraction. But Bill Belichick in the, the NFC South, I talk about just looking weird, feeling weird, it, it would be. I mean, the Falcons are the team that were ahead 28-3. to Against Bill Belichick. He came back yeah. from 28-3 to against the Falcons. I had that in my notes, and I completely forgot about it until I just read it. I mean, who knows? And I saw this joke on Twitter, so I can't claim it, but maybe they asked him in his interview questions, tell us a time about when you've overcome adversity in a football game, yeah. or, or as a matter of fact. Well, uh, I was down 28-3. to Julio Jones made a catch on the sideline. Julian Edelman one-upped him. Let's go. Career-driven individuals ready to unlock your potential? Discover William Peace University's School of Professional Studies. Our classes are tailored for the working professional. Attend class on your terms with our online sessions and choose from various start dates throughout the year. Dive into a curriculum designed for success. Every class is a stepping stone that takes you closer to your career goals. Take one or more classes. It's in your hands. Elevate your career with William Peace University's School of Professional Studies. Dive deeper at williampeace.info slash SPS. Your journey begins here.